Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they really love, and create actual amazing relationships. We're glad you're with us, America. Thanks for being here. Christina Ellis, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Daryl starts off this hour in California. Hi, Daryl. How are you? I'm doing fine. Good. How can we help? I'm wondering why the saving for kids college is part of the baby steps. I don't know. I don't quite understand why I should hand my kids that um that luxury just give it to them i feel like if i build in the expectation that they can work at it do it themselves then it'll mean more and it'll actually get them further in their life and their career so i don't understand why that's in the baby steps okay well i I don't disagree that um a lot of what you're saying is true um the uh but i will put out you can teach people uh you Yes, if you work your way through and if you learn self-reliance and uh, you and I are cut out of the same kind of cloth, uh, I, I don't disagree with your sentiment at all. Um, the other thing, though, is uh, uh, I've actually proven that paying for your kid's college doesn't ruin them because I paid for mine, and mine are all three very productive, very ambitious, scratch claw, right. have good work ethic, good character, love God, love their spouses, take care of their kids, and so on. They All three turned out. So I didn't ruin right. them by paying for their college. But obviously I installed the things you and I are both concerned about into their walk as, as their dad along the way so that by the time they got to college, I didn't do that. But are you under a moral obligation to pay for their college? No, that's not why it's in the baby steps. Uh, if you don't want to, under the auspices of what you're saying, I wouldn't disagree with you. I think you're fine doing that. Uh, but right. but I, I would disagree to say it's the only way they turn out, is if you make it make the road hard for them. That's not true. No, I, I agree with that, yeah. Well, and we meet so many parents who are, you know, they have students in high school, and they wish that they could pay for their kid's education, but they didn't think about it in advance. So this really kind of gets people thinking, early on, if that's a desire for them to pay for their kids' college education, um, it gets them thinking early on, you know, how are we going to do this financially? How can we save in the right way in order to make that dream a reality? And of course, it's not, not every parent wants to pay for their kids' education. You know, a lot of people get scholarships. I, I had to pay for college on my own. And that's the journey for a lot of people, but a lot of parents do want to pay for it. And then they get to the, you know, junior and senior year and it's kind of a little bit too late in their savings plans. So then their kids end up in a lot of student loan debt. That's why student loan debt is one of the largest debts in America right now. So it's really just trying to help students avoid that. Yeah, the, the, right. Exactly. So I, Christine and I would both agree with you. We both did the thing. I mean, her, her dad passed away when she was a little girl and so her mom was a single mom. And uh, so she, her only way to go to college, her mom sat her down and said, we got to get scholarships. So she became the America's leading scholarship expert in the process and got a half a million dollars worth and scratched and clawed and not only got a degree, but got a, a postgraduate degree and took care of every bit of it herself. Her mom didn't pay a dime of it and it didn't hurt her. It yeah, made, it's one totally. of the reasons she's able to sit here at this table at her young age because she's, she's got the stuff, you know, that you're talking about, Daryl. So that's all really, really good. And so I would agree with you that there is no moral construct 
that requires them to be in the baby steps. But you would have to agree with me that the vast majority of people say, I would like to save something and help my kid go to college. And so we need to give them a vehicle, a place to do that, an order in which to do that. And that's why it's baby step five. But it's not baby right. step four. Yeah, you I have to save for it, honestly. Do what? Second? Honestly, I just can't. It's not financially responsible for me to be saving for that. It's too, there's too much else that, that I need. Those numbers need to go somewhere else. Or, I mean, I'm still 12 years out plus even, but there's no yeah. way it'll pencil out. I mean, I could save some toward that. Yeah. Well, that's cool. that's okay too. I just, no, I just yeah. But it's not there. It's not it's, there to guilt trip you and say you're a bad dad. Do it. It's not. It's not. It's not to say you're a bad dad if you don't. Well, and there's no shame in saying right. you can't. I mean, that's what my mom said to me is like she just couldn't. But even afford if I it. could, should I? <laughs> no, not necessarily. <laughs> it's it is not a moral obligation. And to okay. to okay. your point, it's right. Now, I will tell you this: if you're going to be the dad or mom that says. Um, I can, but I'm not going to because I want you to be able to, to, to hoe this row, so to speak. I want you to be able to push through this. I want you to learn hustle. I want you to learn grind. And, and the lessons you're going to get from the being able to pay for it are as valuable as the le- things you learn. If you're that dad or mom, which is how you started out the conversation, Daryl, and I, again, one more time, don't disagree with you. What you do have in that situation, the, uh, the moral obligation as a parent you do have is you need to show them how they can do it. Talk to them about right. getting good grades so they can get scholarships. Talk to them about choosing a college that's affordable, not a super expensive right. college that they can't afford. Talk to them about studying something that matters. Don't get a degree in left-handed puppetry and then end up as a yeah, barista exactly. with $200,000 in student loan debt. You know, talk to them about uh, hard work and working and working and working and working and working and working and working. I worked 40 to 60 hours a week for four years while I went through school. And I didn't die exactly. from it, and it's not child abuse. Exactly. Yeah, and that was, I'm right there with you, Dave. That was one of my thoughts is just one of the best gifts that my mom gave me when she told me that she couldn't afford my education, the fact that she sat down with me after that and said, okay, so this is where we are financially. I can't pay for your college, but she's a these, coach and a cheerleader. Exactly. She walked me through it. She gave me ideas. She, she helped just say, challenge me. Good luck with that. Right. Sorry about your luck. Or she didn't wait till senior year and then say, "Sucks oh. to be you." Yep. Yeah. No, it didn't. Do, yep. Didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. You got to walk with them and say, "Okay, listen. Here's the reason I'm doing this. I want you to get some calluses on your hands. Here's the reason I'm doing this. I can't do it. Here's the reason we're doing this. It's good for you to learn how to problem solve. Now I'm going to walk with you. I'll help you with the problem solving. I'll be your biggest cheerleader. I'll be your biggest coach. I'm going to push you. I'm going to love you. Uh, and, and if you can do that, then you know you may you may end up with a really positive result out of this with some kids, particularly. But um, and by the way, all three of my kids, while I paid for their school, worked while they were in school. If that because they were on a tight budget and they didn't have a bunch of money to screw around with, if they wanted to go do something else, they had to come up with the money to do that. And so, like my youngest, who's one of our top executives at Ramsey today, many years later. Uh, he's still the Ramsey family uh, mattress expert because he worked in a mattress store. <laughs> so anytime we need to know something about mattresses, we ask Daniel because he knows awesome. all about mattresses. He learned all about because he sold the crud out of them. I mean, he was good good mattress salesman. They 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 didn't like it when he graduated because they lost one of their best salesmen. So um, 
Yeah, it doesn't, none of this hurts. It's a good thing. Hey, hang on, Daryl. I'm going to send you a copy of the book, Debt-Free Degree, and I'm going to send it to you free. And it coaches you through and coaches how to go to college debt-free if your parents aren't paying for any of it. And uh, it can be done. It can certainly be done. This is The Ramsey Show. If current times have shown us anything, it's that the least expected events can and will happen, and we have to deal with it. That's why everyone who has a family counting on them needs term life insurance. For over 25 years, the only insurance company I've recommended is Xander Insurance. Not only because they search all of the top term life plans to find you the best rates, but over the years, they have constantly changed and updated their systems to make the whole process simpler and easier to get the protection needed. You can now apply with a completely touchless experience with everything being done either over the phone or the Internet. They also have plans with super competitive rates that don't require an exam, allowing you to skip a step and get the coverage you need faster. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. Great rates and a simple process mean there's no excuse to not get this done, people. Christina Ellis, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. I think it's important to circle back to that last call for just a second because I really appreciated where Daryl was coming from on a couple of different fronts. One is it's not a moral obligation for you to pay for your children's college education. You haven't been a bad parent if you didn't. And two, uh, if you're in a position like your mom, or like Daryl was saying, he was having trouble putting the money together, um, you're, we need to say really, really loudly, but since it's not a moral obligation, you're not a bad parent, it's not like you didn't feed them, it's not like you didn't clothe them, it's not like you didn't keep the heat on, now, those are your responsibilities, hello, uh, moms and dads, right? But paying for stuff for them, it, you know, it's a, it is, he called it a luxury. It is a luxury. And so the number of times I've been sitting at the end of a stage after a seminar signing books and a lady, particularly ladies, I see it will come up that are single moms and they're just overwhelmed with the weight of that. They're a bad mom mm-hmm. because they have no money to pay for their kids college because they're, I mean, they're working three jobs just to eat a lot of times. And then, the, then somehow the culture has put this thing on. If you don't save for college, you're a bad mom. Yeah. Your mom's, <laughs> she's she's a, more like me. She's like, I don't care what anybody thinks. <laughs> I don't have any money, and so we're gonna figure this out, you know. But she she wasn't burdened by guilt. I don't think. No, I don't think that was her style. <laughs> or is her Not style? Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I mean, I I see these people who are sweet, and I'm not saying your mom's not sweet. I'm I'm, I'm saying they're. They're, they're not coming at this with the same way Daryl was or your mom did. They're coming at it and going that the, the, the weight of, I, you know, I've got a 16-year-old. 
I make $34,000 a year. I have no money. And thereby, I'm not paying for college. The arithmetic tells us that. And then they, they internalize this message that they're a bad mom or a bad dad. And you're just not. That's yeah. just not true. It's just not true. Well, and we even meet people who are, you know, towards the end of their baby step two, they're paying off debt and they just, they didn't know to save. They didn't plan to save early on. And they also feel that shame. They feel like, man. They got a 16 year old and they're not going to have $200,000 saved. They're not going to have $100,000 saved in in a year and a half before the kid goes to college. They're just not. So you have to do the other things. And so um, that's where the debt, the uh, debt-free degree book came from. And uh, it's helped a lot of people. Your book that you did, Confessions of a Scholarship Winner, I say mm-hmm. that right? Yep. Um, was the number one bestseller. And Christina, as we've told the story a hundred times, is half a million dollars worth of scholarships she went and scratched up. So this stuff can be done. And we talk about this a little bit, but probably not as much as I would have liked to have had in our documentary called Borrowed Future. In Borrowed Future, we dropped our first full-length film. Um, It became a big deal last year. Uh, It's still out there. You can still watch it on Google Play, Apple TV, Amazon Prime. Um, And it's a full-length, you know, world-class documentary on the horrible condition of the student loan, the epic crisis that is the student loan industry. Right. Yeah. And it actually shows, you know, what's behind it why it's so toxic and also how to avoid it it's such a cool documentary because it's like it shows not only people who are struggling with student loans and people who are just weighted down and really tells their stories but it also you know shows students who did it a different way and kind of opens people's eyes to the fact that there are very different paths that you can go if you've got a teenager and you need to watch borrowed future yes period well that's the thing it's like i've been working with high school students for so long it's an amazing resource to have because so often you tell them the words you say you should avoid student loan debt you're going to regret it if you go into debt but to have actual stories and a visual picture of why the industry is toxic and people who are crying because of the debt that they took on and the the pain that it's caused its life it's it's just such a powerful picture for a young person to see to really paint out for them yeah the academy awards of on-demand documentaries on the internet which is one of the things that we are obviously we're a long form documentary is called the webby awards i didn't know this but i learned it recently and it's presented by the international academy of digital arts and sciences well there you go the leading international awards organization that honors excellence on the internet this year's webby awards received fourteen thousand entries from 50 states and 70 countries um the uh our Borrowed Future, it's got Christina in it, it's got Dr. John Deloney in it, uh, David Chico on our team was the producer on it, he pulled the whole thing together, director, Mike Rowe is in it, our friend Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs is in it, Seth Godin, one of the best marketing minds on the planet is in it, um, and a bunch of real cases, and so y- you need to watch Borrowed Future tonight, but anyway, we ended up, I didn't know what it was, but now I do, because it's really heavy, and it's important, and we won the Webby Award, yeah. So Borrowed Future is award-winning. Uh, the uh, We got the number one documentary in long form, Borrowed Future, right there. And so there's the Webby Awards, the big old spring, pretty cool, and uh, very heavy. I picked it up and I went, whoa, that thing's ridiculous. So pretty cool, though. I, I didn't know they existed, and I didn't know we 
uh, we're up for an award, and then all of a sudden we are an award. So there you go. I like it. <laughs> That's incredible. So uh, it was the number one documentary uh, uh, for weeks on Google Play. It was the number one, number two documentary on Apple TV, and it was the number five documentary rent or buy category on Amazon Prime. So uh, a lot of viewership on it, and we're very, very proud of it and uh, encourage you guys to check it out. Um not because you need to help us or something. I mean, it's like $3 to watch it, and we get $0.27 cents or something. So it's not like we're getting rich off the thing. You don't make any money on these things. But the uh, it's not a money maker. But it is a it is a thing where we wanted to poke into this toxic culture and stir up a ruckus. And, buddy, it stirs up a ruckus. We have pissed some people off with this thing because these student loan people, man, they're freaking evil. The, the stuff they are doing behind the scenes is straight up it's out of some kind of book or something. I mean, it's like, I, it's hard to believe people actually do crap like that. To 18-year-olds. To 18-year-olds, yes. It is, a, it's a, it is a filthy, filthy business. And, uh, and you and I, the taxpayers, are, are guaranteeing these loans, which makes these goobers out there, these crooks, able to do this stuff. It's unbelievable. The, collect, the Navient people, the Sally Mae people, oh you got to watch this thing man it'll blow your mind yeah so borrowed future and and the message overall is this number one the message of borrowed future is student loans suck and the people around them suck so avoid this thing okay number two message is you can go to school debt free it is possible and it has a whole lot to do most of the time with school choice choosing one you can afford and um you know very few people ask when they're hiring you or when you're doing work with them or anything else what uh, where you went to school. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where my doctor went to school. I don't know where my lawyer went to school. I don't know where my tax guy went to school. I know that they have been academically trained because they're licensed in those areas, but I really don't know where they went to school. All I want to know is, can you fix this? It's broken. that's all i want to know and that's you know and if you can do that then i don't really care where you went to school my tax thing is you know it's screwed up you got to fix it okay you know that's it estate planning whatever it is i I, there's all these people and and you know but people walk around acting like where they went to school it doesn't nobody cares nobody cares it's a joke well they're just i think that's one of the big you know, myths or lies around higher education that has become ingrained in society and is a huge reason why people are taking on crazy amounts of debt. They think, you know, I got to go to the college at all costs. And that's just not true. No, not that college. Um, listen, you can go there if you want to go there. I don't mind you going there. I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to make fun of you for being a Harvard graduate. Uh, unless you paid full sticker for it, then I'd probably make fun of you. But um, but please don't don't come in here telling me that you are more likely to be a success because of where you went to school. There's absolutely zero research that indicates that. None. You cannot find a data point anywhere. I've been in this business for 30 years. It's not there. So quit overpaying for this crap. This is The Ramsey Show.
You know when people change their lives when they finally say, That's it! I've had it! No more! I'm done! When that rises up inside of you like that, you're ready to change your life. And um, you're tired of waking up at 2.30 in the morning worried about how you're going to fill your gas tank? Yeah, I've had it. Tired of wondering how you're going to put supper on the table with the dadgum prices or keep these lights on? I've had it. I'm not living like this. You make too much money to be as broke as you are. You should say, I've had it. When are you going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Well, for a limited time, we're bringing back the Ramsey $10 sale. You can get your hands on our number one best-selling books, like the Total Money Makeover, that's helped 8 million people at this stage of the game. That's if everybody, only one person ever read one book, but multiple books out there. And we're making it easy to get help, expert help. You get free financial coaching with any purchase on any of these books. That's pretty cool. And you can talk with a Ramsey preferred coach about your specific money questions and plans. They'll help you make goals to stick to them. So you can go from I've had it to I've got this. Enough with the worrying. Enough with everybody else controlling your life. Enough with the disgust when you look down to see how much you make and you're still broke. Enough with the losing sleep. Take control of your money. Get your life back. Get one of these books at the $10 sale at RamseySolutions.com or get your butt in Financial Peace University and get this stuff turned around. It's time. It's time. You've been dancing around the edges of this stuff and you're ish and ish is a wish. I didn't know financial coaching was included. That's that's a, that's a sale huge. we're running right now. We've never done that before and it's going zoom, zoom. People wow. are loving it because they get a free coaching session because everybody wants to, you know, they don't want to call in on the show because they're afraid I'll be mean to them, but our coaches are nice. And so I'm not mean to you. I just love you and tell you the truth. And I don't have a lot of time. So I tell you real fast. That's all it is. But yeah, but the, uh, uh, but the, uh, uh, that's the thing. And, and yeah, the other financial coaching is a deal yeah. with a $10 book. Hello. Yes. I mean, the book's already a $30 book. Hello. So, I mean, a hard back, I mean, this is a book you'll keep on your shelf for the rest of your life. I got books that have changed my life. The information in them changed my life. And I've, they're, they got sticky notes and highlighters that are on my shelf. I'll never give those books away. There's some books when you move, you throw them all out. You give them to Goodwill or whatever. But no, uh, not those. Not those. Alex is in New York. Hey, Alex, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hello, Dave and Christina. How are you? Great. How can we help? All right. Thank you very much. Um, I'm a social studies teacher, and this summer I got a second job as a server. Um, currently, I'm baby step number two, and I've worked really hard um, with um, student loans, the interest being paused, to um, um, crack down and get my debt lowered. Good. My call today, um, thanks. My call today is I have a 2007 Jeep Liberty, um, and currently there's a the check engine on and there's an issue with the catalytic converter. I've done some research on my end, and that's going to be $2,000 to fix. And I already have the baby step number one of just saving $2,000 first and foremost. Who, 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 and stop, stop, stop. Who said it's going to take $2,000 to do a catalytic converter? Um, that's just, I've researched the part, and I've talked to, um, like, mechanics who said that they would they would do it for $2,000. Okay. Is it an inline catalytic converter in the muffler system? It should be, right? Yes. Go buy one at a junkyard, man. Um, well, I guess, okay, I might have to do that as well. My real question, my, the reason why I called is, do I save, do I spend the 2000 to fix it, 
or do I, it's really like rental car, I mean, not um, used cars right now are um, much more than $2,000 right now. Um, or do I save a little bit more, but also knowing that my check engine light is on and it's kind of dangerous to be driving with that. So just want to pick your brain and see how, like, um, you try to manage that situation. Yeah. How is this car otherwise? Has it given you many problems in the past? <laughs> um, it has. I put a door on it, and um, I uh, closed it after I got it, and it doesn't. Um, it's my driver's door, and the door doesn't open anymore, so I have to get in through the passenger side. Um, <laughs> but it takes me. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It takes me to where I got to go, and there's no complaints. So. Um, <laughs> I've had cars really like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. that's yeah. this is hey, one that needs a no name right here. Okay, so if this I'm car, driving, if you had, if the, if yeah. the car was running, if everything was doing okay, what can you get for the car today? I could probably get like seven hundred dollars. There's so much rust on it. Um, yeah. Okay, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think you could probably get a thousand fifteen hundred. So let's call it that. Okay. If okay. the car was if the car was running right, if you had the catalytic converter on it. It does not increase the value of the car that much because if it was all fixed up and everything was running just right, it really still wouldn't be worth much more than that, would it? You're right. Yeah, so you're yes. put, you're throwing good money after bad because the formula you use on fixing a hoopty, which you're driving a hoopty, right? I mean, you're driving a... Yes. And so the I'm formula is if the value of the car plus the repair, the current value of the car plus the repair is more than the value of the car after it's fixed you don't fix the car and that's the case here so we're going to sell this car as is take that money plus the two thousand you were going to spend on a catalytic converter and buy a car that's probably three times better than this car for thirty five hundred bucks yeah it's all right Still probably not going to be the most glamorous car, but it's not. It's not. That's okay. So here's what you're drive looking. Drive like no one else. So later you can drive like no one else. Exactly. 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 So here's the thing: when you're buying up an upgrade hoopty, what you're looking for is what we call a garage sale car. You're looking for an estate sale where the little old lady drove it uh, just to Sunday to school and back, but it's it's old and the uh, upholstery's bad and whatever else. So we had uh, a guy working here for a while. He drove a 1994 Granada. Mm-hmm. Can you say land yacht? <laughs> right? And it was formerly red, and it had faded, so it was pretty much pink. Mm-hmm. And then it got hit with a hailstorm, so it was pink with acne. Okay? The interior mm-hmm. was horrendous. But the car, listen to this, man. It had 20,000 actual miles on it. He nice. bought it from his grandmother for 500 bucks, and she never drove the thing. So mechanically, it was like perfect. Mm-hmm. But it was the ugliest car I think I've ever seen in my life. But mechanically, it was perfect. Because when you're driving a hoopty, you're not driving the car to pick up chicks. You are not driving the car to impress people at a stoplight, right? You are driving a hoopty to get somewhere. And so all we Mm -hmm. care about is the mechanical condition of the car. And so you want to buy something that's ugly, that people make fun of, that you have to give it a name, but it's mechanically unbelievably fabulous. And you call it old blue or big red or the one I had was a 1978 
When I was going through bankruptcy, a guy loaned me. I didn't even buy it. He loaned it to me. A 1978 Cadillac. The predominant color on the thing was Bondo. But it was lights out mechanical. You, I mean, it was a beast mechanically. But it looked like the Beverly Hillbillies had pulled up to the stoplight. The vinyl roof was torn loose across the front. So when you drove it, it filled up with air like a parachute on top. Oh, my gosh. So when you stop the stoplight, your top is settling, right? <laughs> And everybody's looking at you. And you know what? When you when you get to that point, you don't care what anybody thinks because all I want to do is get to work because I'm going to get to work so I can get rid of this stupid car so I can get a reasonable car. But all you're looking for is mechanical reliability, not sex appeal. Yep. That's the car you're looking for. And for 3500 bucks, you wouldn't believe how great a car you can buy with mechanical reliability and zero sex appeal. Yep. One of the things I love about working here is we have so many people who are working through the baby steps, paying off debt, and when you drive through our lot, you see. There's hey, when people go home at night, there's oil spots out there. (laughs) Right. I'm telling you, man. People are proud of it. And around here, it's a badge of courage. It's a badge of honor. It's not. We don't make fun of people around here. It's like high fiving them. Like you're doing what it takes, man. Drive like no one else. Later, you can drive like me. There you go. I used to drive. I used to drive that (laughs) stuff. Now I don't drive stuff like that anymore. This is the Ramsey Show. Christina Ellis, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. You know, I want to keep on this car thing for just a minute because it's so interesting. One of the things I emotionally realized somewhere along our financial journey, and it wasn't with the Cadillac that was all to pieces with Bondo or any of that, but it was... um, it was after that. There's there's something about purchasing a car. A, it's a very expensive thing. It's one of the largest things we buy other than our home, money-wise, most people anyway. And um, so, but we have this sense that a car purchase is such a, and I think it's because of the amount of money, and it also takes up a large physical space. It's a, it's not a, it's not a tiny little item. It's a big thing, right? Right. I guess it's those two things, but somewhere in our psyche, uh, we ought to ask Dr. John Deloney about this, see if he could tell us what happens. But because my theory is because of the size of the money and because of the size of physically it takes up, it's one of the larger things in both of those categories we do, that we have this, we we assign too much permanence to the purchase of a car. We buy a car like we're going to drive it 40 years, and nobody does. And if you buy a bad car, sell it. It's just a car. Get another one. But we, our emotions don't work that way. Very few people change cars like every year. Very, very few people. And um, I, uh, 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 you know, I, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't tr- trade cars a lot. I don't, I don't move up in car very often. And and I'm not a big jump around and all that kind of thing either. But and and I think though that we stress out about 
selling a car. Like it's the end of the world. We're never going to get another car. Never see a nice car again. Or buying a car. We're like, if we get this wrong, it's, it'll be, we're stuck forever. There's a permanence to it that we assign psychologically that's just not true. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. And it, I think it causes us a lot of stress around vehicles that we don't need. It's just a stupid car. Get another one. I mean, $3,500 cars, they're, they're like throwaway cars. Yeah. $2,000 car, it's like a throwaway car. I wonder if it's also you buy, because- you buy a big screen TV. If it goes out, do you get it fixed? No, you go get another one. It's a throwaway. <laughs> but we, but with a car, we're like, oh God, <laughs> you know, you spend a thousand dollars on a big screen TV. You spend a thousand dollars on a car. You treat it psychologically completely different. Well, I think part of the challenge for a lot of people is it's something that's out there. Like it's something that other people see, so they still attach a lot of their value to it, a lot of their status to it, and there's kind of that feeling that, of that, that's mixed into it too. But the permanence, the sense that I'm stuck in the decision, is unique to vehicles mm. uh, and houses. Houses people do that with too. But and it is legitimately harder to jump in and out of a house. But like. I had to walk walk myself through this. Uh, I don't know, three or four years ago, I had a Raptor, and I saw this really cool 600-horsepower killer F-150 Roush, but it wasn't a Raptor. And I went down to the Ford dealer that's a friend of mine, and I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that. And so I drove home in that other one. I took Sharon down there, and she's like, whatever. Do whatever. Okay, all right, whatever. I'm doing it. So I bought the thing, and I hated that truck almost immediately wow it was completely different than drive and feel and everything else and i just didn't like it and uh so i had the mufflers changed on i tried to do some other stuff it was really big engines wonderful powerful a great truck or anything wrong with it i just didn't like it and i'm sitting around i don't like my truck i don't like my truck and i had to walk myself through well doofus sell it then you know it's it's a stupid truck so i went and traded it and got a raptor you know and it cost me some money. I lost a little bit of money on my stupid imp- uh, impulsivity. But but the point is, it's not as permanent. You're not stuck. It's a car. Get another one. You know, it's a three thousand dollar car. It's a throwaway car. It's a garage sale car. Go to you know, go to an estate sale and bid five hundred bucks. You can get you another one. You know, I don't want your whole yard littered with cars. Get rid of the other ones. But but the, but the, it's not just because it's a large thing does not mean it's permanent. Right, and I think that can give people some freedom to embrace the hoopty, embrace yeah, the car. That's, that's the point. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's just a, you know, it, it, th- this is a snapshot. It's a moment in time you're not going to be driving. But when you're in the hoopty land, be sure you take pictures mm. and, har- and, and print them out and put them in a frame and label it big red, you know, old blue, whatever it is, right? The green monster, whatever, you know. <laughs> How many? I mean, people out there, all of you in Radio Land, raise your hand. I want to see you. Right? But how many of you had, when you were kids, your your, your parents had a car that had a name? <laughs> we always had names for our cars. You know, we're going down to Kmart. Get it, get in Big Blue. I mean, here we go. You know, I mean, that's it, it's you know, but we don't do that anymore because the cars aren't junky anymore. They're not. They don't have any personality. They're all just, look just alike, and they. You can't even tell the difference in a dadgum Hyundai and a Lexus out there half the time nowadays. They all look alike. And so, um, but the there's something about this psychology around cars that ends up costing us a lot of money. It is not permanent. If you are driving a piece of crap, just grin about it. Take pictures because it's temporary. You're driving like he said, like we say, you're driving like no one else. So later you can drive and, and give and live like no one else. Yeah. 
I wish people could just embrace the feeling that we have here, even in our parking lot at Ramsey, where people do have the pride in a junky car because it's so that they can get out of debt and get to building wealth. It's so that they can yeah. get to that next level. And and there's almost like you said, a badge of honor where it's like, this is this is awesome. This is going to be something we look back at when we're baby step millionaires and go, ha ha, remember that season? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's You got to have a story. You tell the grandkids like back in 22, I was driving a hoopty that the door didn't work and I had to climb in the other side. You got to have a, something to tell the grandbabies someday, right? The great grandbabies, <laughs> you know, get your, get your denture adjusted there when you're telling your story right i mean you gotta back in all 22 but if you just if you all back in all 22 i had payments and so now i'm still broke that ain't a good story we don't want to do that one you want to live like no one else and drive like no one else so that later you can live like no one else no discipline seems pleasant at the time but it yields a harvest of righteousness nothing that is great ever happens without a level of perseverance, a level of pain that you push through, and you might as well realize it's temporary. Right. It's temporary. It's not permanent. If you're, if you're sacrificing in order to win, you're going to win. If you're not sacrificing to win, don't expect to win. Mm. You know? And that's that, this car thing is all wrapped up in this because you get these people, you know, I got a $742 car payment. Yeah, right. How much is your house payment? 500 bucks. Why? I live in a trailer. Dude, if your truck payment's bigger than your house payment, you might be a redneck. I mean, really, we have these people do this stuff all the time. And you got to go, gee. So, and I did it. I mean, I I did it with zeros on the end because I'm a car guy. I love vehicles. But, um, well, I think it's important that people get around people in their lives, too, that are embracing the hoopty. That's why I think it's so great when people can get in a financial peace university class in person because yeah. they're around other people who are also hustling and grinding and doing what it takes to get out of debt versus your other broke friends who have $700 car payments who are all comparing who has the coolest car and they don't feel, you know, you feel that pressure to they join have no them. money. Right. They're broke. Looking good and no money. I mean, that's the definition of stupid right there. You know, looking good, no money. This is completely backwards and immature. The definition, uh, you know, adults devise a plan and follow it. Children do what feels good. One definition of maturity is the ability to delay pleasure for a greater good. And so mature people emotionally exercise. And, and me, I got to stay away from the donuts dadgum donuts they kill me i get big as a house eating these donuts and so i i have to you know i have to self-control self-control this is the actions of an adult at 62 or at 22 and this man it just works it just works it just works and we're so so many of you out there are doing this stuff so well i'm so proud of all of you well, the good, good the, time. The good news about the hoopties is it's just for a season. Donuts, unfortunately, you may need to avoid forever. Come, <laughs> you mean I don't get if I eat like no one else later, I can't eat like no one else. I don't think oh, it's all over. Darn, that's, you know what? That's true. That one doesn't work there. It's, it's depressing. <laughs> it's a bummer. It's depressing. Thanks, Christina, for ending the hour on that note. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Ramsey Show. Dave here. You can find all of our shows with the Ramsey Network app on your smartphone. It's the only place to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. Download the Ramsey Network app 
in your favorite app store today. If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out other great podcasts from the Ramsey Network, like Borrowed Future. Not so fun fact, America has a $1.6 trillion student loan crisis, and it's out of control. I'm George Camel, host of the Borrowed Future podcast, where we uncover the underbelly of the student loan industry and show you what you can do about it. It'll inspire you to see that it is possible to avoid student loans and graduate college debt-free. Listen to Borrowed Future wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's James, producer of The Ramsey Show. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services you heard about during this episode. Thanks for listening.